I'm a simple hick from Southern Indiana that went to the, uh, as well as you went to the uh, gala for the uh, 100th anniversary of APTA in Washington, D.C. in the uh, National Cathedral. I'm like, I look back, I'm like, how in the heck am I around <laughs> all these people that are so successful yeah. and so brilliant? I'm like, my imposter syndrome really sticks out in those situations. But it's like a hundred percent, like like the ability to like advocate for what we do and to and to lead, but like also lead with a heart of humility and know that like we can be wrong, and I'm wrong a lot, and I failed, and like that allows us the opportunity to like really be successful in life and 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 be real people and live authentic lives and know like how to answer, you know. But the more we we just talk about those things, the better the better it gets, and the more we can get involved and, and help help our profession grow and help our association grow. And and for you as a as a PTA, like that's going to help you grow clinically. That's going to help you grow as a person. It's going to help you grow with whatever your goals are in the profession or within your career. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the PTA Plus Podcast. Today's guest is Sean Bagby. Sean is a physical therapist assistant and athletic trainer, as well as a co-owner and COO of Rehabilitation and Performance Institute, or otherwise known as RPI. Sean and I have some great conversation today about um, leadership, about business ownership. We talk a lot about successes, and failures in life. Um, the reality is, is we're going to face failures. And as long as we can learn from those failures, um, typically things can turn out just fine. So I'm really excited for you to hear about Sean's journey into leadership as a physical therapist assistant. He has some really great advice for us. Um, Sean is a self-proclaimed Disney nut, Star Wars geek, and um, unique is his jam. And I'm really excited for you to hear what Sean has to say today. So stick around for another episode and we'll catch you soon. Thanks. Hey, Sean, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm glad that we were able to um, get some time together. You, we've been talking about getting you on the show for quite some time, but um, busy lives and we both have busy families going on and everything so I'm glad that we were able to connect and make some time to talk yeah no I'm, I'm looking forward to it I love the podcast I love listening to it so hopefully I don't destroy your numbers absolutely not there's no way you can do that <laughs> and you have some really cool stuff that we're going to talk about today I'm really excited um, I think that uh, PTAs that are listening are going to be able to derive a lot from uh, some of your experiences, um, some opportunities that you've had. So I think that you have a great story to tell, and I'm excited that you were able to come on and um, tell us about it. So uh, we're going to dive into all kinds of different things today, lots of different directions that we can take this podcast, but I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself to everybody and tell us who you are, where you're from, and what you do. Certainly. Uh, my name is Sean Bagby. I am a PTA first and foremost. Uh, I'm also a uh, ATC, uh, and then I have my master's in healthcare administration. My day job is I am a COO of a company that I help, help found called Rehabilitation Performance Institute. We are a outpatient physical therapy company 
that has 13 clinics through Southern Indiana, Southern Illinois, and Western Kentucky. And then we've also got some unique niche practices where we uh, do some industrial outreach. We do some uh, physical therapy based out of a baseball school in one of our communities. And then we also are in a basketball school in another one of our communities. So we we try to, um, the goal for us is to put therapists, and when I say therapists, it's PTs, PTAs, is to put therapists in the communities that they love to be part of and serve and allow them to succeed by doing it that way. Um, in my second job, I am an adjunct professor for St. Kate's University in their uh, PTA program, and I teach their leadership capstone class, uh, which is uh, probably for any of my former students that are listening, they're probably like one of the most frustrating classes because it's all about living in the gray. It's not black and white. And so people struggle with that uh, idea, but it is true to life and it's true to leadership. And uh, it's, it's something I actually love and adore. And it's a opportunity that came out of being involved with APTA and Holly Clinch from Minnesota, who is, you know, one of my mentors and role, model, role models in life. And uh, my next job that I work, oh, I guess I got two more. Uh, the next job that I do is I, <laughs> I teach in the Next Gen Institute of Physical Therapy. Uh, I, uh, my COVID project, along with a friend of mine named Aaron Hoffman, uh, we designed and built out a manual physical, a manual course for specifically for PTAs that is a um, online, but like it's a live, a live course every three weeks or live class every three weeks. And then you present videos to us and we give you feedback on how you're doing mobilizations and things like that. And uh, really try to do that because I want to push PTAs to work at the top of their practice. And then as we talked about practice, my last real job is I am on the licensure board for the state of Indiana. I'm the first PTA appointed onto the licensure board of physical therapy. And so I do that. And so like if you've never spent time watching your licensure boards work, it's a um, interesting phenomenon. It's, uh, it's, it's all about protection of the public and protection of what we do from the aspect of not letting uh, providers that, that aren't trying to do the right thing practice. And so you, um, you get to see a lot of, a lot of the things that people do wrong, but you also get to see a lot of people that make mistakes and then change their lives and become really good therapists. So it's a, it's a rewarding experience and it's one I'm glad I get to serve in. Yeah, absolutely. That's, man, you got so much going on. <laughs> I don't know how you do all of this. Well, I mean, and, and so like it goes back to what we talk about at RPI. Um, we, you know, people talk about burnout in our industry a lot. Like for us, we think burnout occurs because like you're, you're not rewarded, right? Like everything I do builds on each other and, and, and is a reward for like what I'm passionate about, which is, which is taking care of people in our communities, um, within our profession and within our association. And like, that's what, that's, 
outside of my kids, my wife, that's what gets me up and going every day. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you're married to a physical therapist assistant. And this is something that I just like learned about you, Sean. So I, I just think that's, that's great. You know, like maybe you guys like, do you go on vacation at like CSM or? <laughs> no, 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 no. We, we've been to one conference together, which was CSM in Indianapolis. And I was serving in the uh, Cox at the time. And so um, I guess that's the other job, right? Um, <laughs> um, I was serving in the caucus at the time. And so I, I had caucus stuff, but I was also involved with LAMP. I was the LAMP host uh, because I do sit on the LAMP committee. I'm the, in charge of LAMP 301 projects. Um, but at that time, I was getting my exposure to LAMP. I was taking my first LAMP course, but LAMP had wanted someone local to help set up things in Indianapolis. And, and like it's one of those you say yes to opportunity, right? I live three hours away from Indianapolis, but I sure made sure I knew where everything was in Indianapolis that LAMP was going to need so I can make a very positive impression on that group. And like that is, um, that was one of those things that, that that's the only conference my wife and I have ever gone to together. We are in two totally separate worlds. Uh, she's in acute care. I'm an outpatient. So like when we talk, she talks about like, you know, her decisions are where does someone go to get better or when they're in in stage of life and mine is like most of my people walk in if they don't walk in I have them walking I make bad jokes all day long and I have fun and so like they're they're two different worlds um but the other thing I forgot to add for you is my brother is a physical therapist as well oh really this yep. is like a, a family affair huh yeah in my uh well and so at one point my sister-in-law is a athletic trainer who um at one point, I worked with my brother and my sister-in-law on the same practice, uh, and my sister-in-law did physician extending and outreach athletic training uh, for a group of uh, orthopedic surgeons we worked for. And but my brother and I worked together, and and like we are 18 months apart and pretty competitive. And so like someone saw us together the uh, other week because we live in totally different areas now. And he was giving me a hard time. He's like, it doesn't matter when you two get together, bed, you just argue. And I'm like, well, I, I'm like, I can argue, but I can prove I'm better at what I do. So I love it. I'm really not conceited, but I will be in front of him. I uh, I bet that there is a lot of competitiveness that goes yeah. on there. So um, all fun things. So cool. Yeah. So um, something that I ask every guest is if you could fill in the blanks in the sentence, I am a PTA plus, and you've already filled in some of those blanks, but um, what else would you add to that list? So you have your PTA, you're an athletic trainer. Um, gosh, you're, you're in leadership and you're teaching. Is there, is there anything else that you would like to add to that list? Uh, well, the things that keep me sane is I am a watch nut. So I have a collection of watches and I'm, constantly like wristwatches like yes wristwatches. yeah like okay so here is my uh small ones that sit in my office this get is out my, this is my this is my other passion which is disney and those are my disney watches so i only wear those when i'm in the parks at disney or on the cruise ship wow so, so yeah so those are my other two passions in life which are watches and it, watches go to like the, you know, we don't need watches nowadays, right? Like you have your iPhone, you have your smartphone, whatever, like you can tell time there. But like 
to me, a watch is is kind of what we do in therapy, right? It, it's it's about movement because like all the pieces have to integrally work together to produce a movement pattern that is accurate. And so like I'm connected to that. And then there was a book that I read years ago, um, Good to Great, that had a quote, be a watchmaker, not a time teller. And it's like, anyone can tell you the time, but can you set up a system to get things accurate and produce results? And so like, that's, that's always been the connection. So like, if I, I do have a watch addiction and like the one thing I will spend money on outside of Disney is watches. He's admitting there may be a problem, but <laughs> no, I love it. And I love that analogy um, between watches and, and physical therapy. I never thought about it that way. I I have one watch and I don't wear it. It's an Apple watch and I don't, I, I no offense. I don't love them. I, I mean, I, I wear it if I'm working out to track, but otherwise I don't wear it. I'm, I, but of course I'm not, I don't, I'm not in a position where I need to like check a watch all the time i don't have to like you know i don't need something with a second hand or anything yeah no right but okay so like this is gonna make me sound like the uber geek of the world but yes on my right wrist i have my watch and then on my left wrist left wrist i have my apple watch embrace it embrace <laughs> it Go i mean I, I wear my apple watch because i want the metrics i want all the data that it <laughs> gathers because it, it it it's like everything else it tells a story like data tells a story uh -huh. And so, like, like the story of like how my day's going gets told with my heart rate and my glucose level and things like that, and it all gets on my watch, and I can easily check it. That's awesome. So, watch fanatic, <laughs> Disney fanatic. So, yeah. The only other podcast I've ever done outside of uh, you and Jimmy is a watch podcast. No way. Yeah. I've, I've got to find it. You're going to have to tell me which one it is. I'm going to listen. <laughs> yeah, we went through my, my entire... List. So there's a watch dealer in Vegas who's become a friend of mine. And um, we went through every watch I owned at that point. And because every watch tells a story, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so They're unique. I have a watch that is from when I was awarded PTA of the year. I have a watch from when we started the company. I have a watch from when we made our first profit, when we hit five years. Uh, I'm looking for one for our Ascend Award right now. I haven't decided on what I'm going to get, but I'm looking currently at that one. That's great. I love it. I love it. Um, I And I, I am serious about listening to the podcast because that's one of the things that um, I find that um, is important for me to do every day is to learn something new. And I'm kind of in a really busy season of my life right now. So I don't have as much time to read as I used to. And I, I like to read. I have a bunch of books behind me that I maybe have started and have not finished yet. But instead now, um, because I'm in this really busy time is I try to listen to a podcast a day um, and, and hear something new or learn something new um, I have some podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis, but I also have some that I just kind of drop into and listen to like one episode and then move on. So I am serious about listening to it and I'm going to find I'll, out. I'll get, it, I'll get it to you. Um, but yeah, so like I listen to watch podcasts, physical <laughs> therapy podcasts. And then like, oh gosh, I'll just go ahead and pull back the curtain. <laughs> like the one thing that like, 
like is like the weird thing that I just like listen to because I find it interesting are uh like real life like mystery like disappearances murders serial killers things like that yeah like true I have crime. no idea why but it's interesting to me like the psychology of the person yeah. involved interesting yeah hey go ahead mm-hmm. pull back that curtain <laughs> I, I, I embrace my weirdness that's part of who I am take it take it and run with it <laughs> all right Sean so was it in in your five-year plan when you're in PTA school like did you ever sit there and go you know what I want to be a business owner someday like was that part of your five-year plan or like where, where did that come from absolutely not absolutely absolutely not, not no <laughs> yeah no, it's so like, um, like the genesis of how we started this company is, is really a unique story and I love it. Um, uh, little background. So the three of us that started RPI, um, really were the founders of it. Craig Pfeiffer, who is our CEO, Shelly Tyler, who was our chief clinical officer. She just stepped away this year uh from us um because she's got young kids and she's trying to do some things there and like i I miss her every day she's an amazing person and then myself we were the three of us that were in charge of a pt department in a orthopedic um physician practice and so like everyone thinks that pops gets a bad names and and like yeah there's some bad pops out there but like there are also really good ones and and so like the genesis of the of this company is like when I came on, I was the third third um, member of the PT team. There were two physical therapists, and I was the first PTA. And the reason I got the job is because I was a dual credential. They really needed an outreach athletic trainer, and so like I I had accepted a position up in Crystal Lake, Illinois. Um, I had run into a former CI of mine who said, "You need to talk to my husband." I talked to him. I love the conversation. I love the location. And like, I left that interview going, this is where I need to be. And it's one of those times, like I didn't even negotiate anything. It was just like, can I say yes fast enough when they offered me the job? And like, you know, don't ever do that. Negotiate. Um, (laughs) uh, But, but I, I said, yes, I went to work there. I worked there for, six years and I kind of built myself and my brand up a little bit. And, and like, I was known as like kind of workhorse. So like if someone was behind, I was starting their patient. If, if uh, the director got caught doing something for a physician or something, I covered everything. I put in some systems in place that, that made efficiencies better, not just for physical therapy, like EMR documentation, but I also like, took over some ownership of work comp for the physician practice because I have a passion for people that get injured on the job um, because I think that's a really hard situation in life because you're losing money. You feel like no one's looking out for you. And a lot of times it's, it's you're caught between two different worlds. You're caught between your, your job that is saying one thing because they're losing money and their insurance rates are going to go up and you've got the physicians who don't necessarily understand work. And so physical therapy can bridge that gap because we can speak both languages. 
to the patient and to the physician well. And so I kind of took on that role and responsibility. Well, as we grew, we grew our staff to about, um, I think we had 40 PT, PTAs, ATCs, and OTs at one point uh, in two buildings for this um, practice. And the CEO at the time of, well, going back up, um, before that, um, like one of my biggest life lessons was like, you know, you've got to be really strong about where you're going and things like that and, and confident and, and, and know when a situation isn't right. And so the director at the time um, got offered a position in a different city, actually the city I live in. And he asked me if I was going to go with him. And I said, the only way I'm going to go with you is if I don't get your job here. And so I interviewed for that job. Um, I was the most senior person to interview for it. The other person they interviewed for is our now is the CEO of my company right now, uh, RPI. Um, so Craig and I both interviewed for this job. Uh, I lost the job to him and I wasn't upset with Craig. I wasn't mad at anything like that, but I had to make a decision. Like, was it going to stay or was it going to go? And so like two things occurred. I talked to the CEO of the, of the physician practice and I, I said, what was I missing? Because I really wanted to know. Because I, I felt strongly that I was good enough to leave. Um, and he said, honestly, there there wasn't much difference. You both have a lot of uh, strong qualities. And, and honestly, I think that's why Craig and I work well together is we both have strong qualities, but they're different ballparks. Um, and um, he's like, but the uh, they said they weren't sure if a PTA could leave department of pts hmm. and so like at that point i knew like okay i can't go with him because like he doesn't see me as someone who can lead and then at the same time i'm like well what do i do so so craig and i had a real open talk that he's like you know i know i know you've kind of got some decisions to make but if you stay here i want you to take over certain aspects of this i want you to run it and we'll call you the assistant manager for a little bit and then like as that moved on, I went to become a manager. We we kept growing facility. We added a second facility. I was in with the design phase of that. Um, and we just kept growing and growing and more and more therapists. And the CEO of the physician practice came to EI and uh, to Shelly, Craig and myself and said, I, I want you guys to think about spinning off the rehab department and get me under 50 employees again and you guys do everything your own way anyways and he's like i don't enter i don't do anything with you really like you guys run everything the way you see fit which was which was kind of nice because we were allowed to like be hands off and and we just ran it in the way that we thought was best for the patients and for ourselves um and so as we did that we 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 would sit down every wednesday night and we would have sushi um in a clinic that was totally closed and the cleaning staff would be uh going room to room and then they'd walk in on us and kind of look at us like why aren't you leaving here so i can back in the floors and so like we would spend every wednesday night kind of like envisioning what a company should look like what should be the what should be the principles what should what should we care about as a company and we never talked about profit. We never talked about 
anything like that. We talked about like what should it be to help the communities we serve and what should it be to make sure that therapists have all the tools and everything they need to be successful. And so like we spent basically a year designing it. And so we designed that. And then as that occurred, um, one of the things that happened was the physician practice merged with another physician practice. And uh, they brought in a consultant who said we ran a spa for therapists. We were too nice to our therapists. We didn't expect as much. And there's no way we could be as successful as we've been. And so they looked into everything. Um, they started to let go of the three of us in senior position. So as they did that, we kind of like, we'd already had everything set up. We had our first building. We knew where it was. And um, yeah, we, we basically said, uh, part of what we wanted was we wanted a company that was going to be evergreen. So like, one of the things we'd always done is like, it shouldn't be just the three of us in ownership, we brought in all the other therapists that we knew were going to go with us and and gave them opportunities. Like our goal was to take every therapist with us um, for that and to like take over those two clinics that we had, but that didn't happen. But we still, um, definition of insanity is opening four clinics at the same time, and that's what we did. We opened four clinics pretty much within the same time span of each other um, over seven years ago. And we've grown from those four to now 13. Big audacious goals, right? <laughs> I, well, so like our, our goal is to improve the health of the community we're in by 1% in the first 20 years. So if you look at, if you look at the data, it's, it's health, the community health gets worse every year. And so like our goal is that, and we really feel like physical therapy can be the driver for improving overall healthcare. But it starts with like flipping the mentality of like, you've got to see 20 patients and bill 70 units per hour. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a lot of really sound principles that this um, company is built on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we did, and 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 so like we we maintained that, um, and and it's funny because like as you grow, like there's someone I really respect in the in the industry, and and like I was talking to him, and he's like, "How many clinics you up to?" At that time, it was like nine, and he goes, "Huh, tens where I usually see clinics start losing who they are." So like we we really like that resonates in me and I hear that multiple times a week. Um, but we're a decentralized country, uh, country, decentralized company. And we decentralized in, in a very specific reason. It's because like, I've got to trust the clinic directors to make the right decisions. And I can't micromanage that many people. And if I micromanage it, if I, am I really setting up a culture or am I just like, like not living to what we believe. And so like we've spent a lot of time and a lot of practice of like setting up like the tent post of what's important to us, which are, you know, taking care of people, um, taking care of the communities and being advocates for what we do in our patients and not 
spending money on frivolous things like taking physicians out to dinner and things like that. We just don't do it. Mm -hmm. um, so we really built it on that. But we spent a lot of times like making sure we have systems in place and, and really putting energy to the things that change practice for our physicians and our patients, our physicians, for our clinicians and our patients, but making sure that we don't waste time on the stuff that's not important. Of course. Yeah. And uh, your company has been recognized for this. Like this, people, people see this about the integrity of the company that you um, are part of and that you are part ownership in. Um, that's been recognized and you just received an award, right? Your company. Yes. And so we, um, we were invited uh, as one of the finalists to the um, Ascend, um, uh, <laughs> what is that, conference hosted by WebPT uh, last month. And we found out we won uh, Practice of the Year, which is amazing for, you know, you think WebPT opens it to any practice in the country, but like, Obviously, like the 39,000 clinics that use WebPTs or WebPT is kind of the first that know about it and and apply. And like some of the things that like set ours apart was that we really don't have staff turnover. Um, we've only had one clinician leave us in the seven years. Um, and then um, we really are. Um, promoter score so anyone not familiar with net promoter net promoter basically says like you know um on a scale of zero to ten how likely are you to recommend rpi to somebody else if they score you a eight or above they're more likely to do it seven they're neutral anything less than several seven they're they're going to be a detractor for you not have anything positive to say about you and so like for healthcare the average is right around 50 percent net promoter score uh, physical therapy is a little bit better. It's in the 60s. Um, we um, are, and this is something that gets calculated because we send this out multiple times to every patient. Like if we send it out after a vow, uh, after a month, and then discharge, and then a month after discharge. And then we, um, if someone drops out of care, we send it to them too because we want to track the real data. We want to see if someone drops out, why? And um, so like our score for the year was 93%. Um, there are amazing clinics out there that I like idolize that were like 87, 88%. And those are, those are huge in our industry mm -hmm. um, scores, but like for us to be a 93 was just representative of like what we've tried to instill and what we've done. Yeah. And I'm extremely proud of that reward because, mm -hmm. I mean, it just, I'm not really big on awards, but like this means a lot because it's it's recognized nationally on what we're trying to do as a small little company in Southern Indiana and Southern Illinois and Western Kentucky. Well, you're making an impact. So congratulations to you mm -hmm. and to RPI. That's, that's amazing. And um, I'm really proud of you as well, Sean, you and your whole company. I mean, that, that takes a lot of work. I think um, I get a lot of questions from students, from PTA students about clinic ownership. And is this something that I can do as a PTA in the future? And in Ohio, the answer is yes. Um, I know that that varies per um, Practice Act, but I mean, it takes a lot of effort. Like you, 
you've put a lot into this. It didn't just happen overnight. So. Right. And, and so like, I, I get that a lot too. And I'm, I'm always willing to talk to any of your students that have that question. Um, but, but like the thing that I think it starts with is you, it's not about owning a clinic. Start by owning your career. Know who you are, treat the way that patients need to be treated in, in ownership or not, you're going to find success. And, and like the, the one thing I talk about a lot in physical therapy is like physical therapy, we get too narrow. Sometimes we think about physical therapy as this box. We treat in acute care, subacute, SNF, long-term, outpatient, pediatric school, whatever. Right. But that's not always what physical therapy is. Physical therapy can be the physical therapist, like, like Amy Lafko, who is a, a uh, mentor of mine and wrote a great book on leadership um, called People First. Like Amy like ran physician practices and ER departments. And so like that's physical therapy doing it. There are examples I know of like a PTA, uh, 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 Brad, and I'm blanking on Brad's last name right now, uh, Brad Gant, who is the practice administrator for a physician practice. He started out as a clinician and then showed that he had adept skills in managing people and moved up in a hospital system. And there's plenty of examples of, of that out there. And like they're advocates for our profession, right? They're going to talk to physicians about why physical therapy probably should be used in some of these situations, which is what I think we have to do. But, but it starts by owning your, owning who you are and what you do. And, and like, finding those niche practices where you can do what you want. Now, if that niche isn't there, by all means, go create it. And you can create it without being a physical owner, but you gotta be willing to put in the time and effort because it doesn't happen overnight. Like, like for every yes you say yes to, there's a no that you say. And so like when I early on said yes to in my career, and then I sacrificed things like vacation, time off, uh, you know, being around friends all the time and things like that. And, and so like, but, but like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things out there that talk about if you want to be successful, sometimes success can be a a lonely journey until you find people that are willing to want to be successful with you. And then you find like this new tribe and, and like when you find your tribe, that's where you'll you'll find success. Absolutely. And I think that um, I, I can't say it as eloquently as you just did, but um, that was one of the, um, the, the driving forces behind the name of this podcast was because I wanted to highlight. Now, of course, I focus on PTAs, but I have PTs that come on this show too. But I wanted to highlight those things that make us more than simply a PTA. Um, and the same for PTs as well. There's so much more to us than what you said. We, we tend to put ourselves in that box. Like, well, I work in outpatient. Well, I work in skilled nursing uh, care. I work in acute care. We, we're so much more than that. It's so multifaceted. We care for our community and we serve in other ways. So that's really what I wanted to highlight um, with this podcast was all those different pieces and parts of um that watch that makes us PTs and PTAs. 
Well, and, and so like it's it's the part where I have a hard time with people that that go um, the universal they did this to me. Like my employer didn't allow X, Y, or Z, or my employer said I had to bill seven units a visit. Right? Like like first off, a good employer shouldn't tell you to do that. Secondly, like employment is voluntary, right? Like you've got to find the situation that works for you and is ethical. I took the ethical risk of stepping away from a good paying job right out of the school. And like, it was nothing wrong with that company. It was, it was someone that asked me to do something that I think they didn't understand, but I wasn't willing to put licensure on the line for myself after I'd worked so hard to get my licenses. Absolutely. And, and, and so like, if you own your career and you can create those things, like people are going to find you and you'll do it. And, and like when we we're starting an RPI was a great example of like connections I made because we were really quiet about, or I was personally really quiet about starting RPI uh, before we opened our doors and before I went there, because I actually didn't technically work in a clinic for three months um, until we, we needed someone. So I took like an in-between job. Um, but like when I left my previous employer, the because I had owned my career to that point and had become a decent leader, like I got phone calls from Indianapolis. Hey, come up here. Um, we don't need a PTA, but I need someone to run this portion of our clinic. We need help in this part of our hospital. Would you be wanting to do this? Will you come to South Bend? And, and like I had opportunity from my network who knew what I could do as far as work wise and drive wise. And so like own your career and you find ways to be successful. And if ownership of the company is what you want to do, then don't let anyone ever tell you no, just find the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Great advice. Um, now, I can't remember if we already talked, because you and I had this whole conversation before we even hit record about a bunch of other different things too, but um, it was maybe your fourth job that you talked about, um, and that was um, PTA engagement. So you're part of the caucus and the council, but like you've had a lot of opportunity to um, kind of serve in some of these leadership roles and engage PTAs. So like what, what, makes, what makes that so important to you to engage PTAs and, and how did that spark for you? Like, yeah, what was it that made you want to to do that? <laughs> so um, two things, two events occurred. The first event was, like I said, um, I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I wasn't selected as the leader of the department. And so like when that happened, I'm like, I got to grow my personal leadership skills. And John Kelly had reached out um, and was looking for uh, someone to run for PTA caucus rep for Indiana. And again, I said yes, not knowing what I was doing and like how how much of a ride that would be for my life. Mm -hmm. um, but it really was like the right yes at the right time. And secondly is um, TRICARE would not let PTAs bill um, uh, for services provided. And my grandmother was a TRICARE patient and I thought that was a bunch of BS. And so like that started me on the advocacy front. And so like it took me, what, 17 years to get that passed. And of course, the 
of course, like the biggest win I had as a PTA in, in payment, I had a couple others that I was part of like Walmart and Lowe's and some other companies, but like the biggest thing that I'm like, oh, this is like the coolest thing that we got this accomplished as a caucus and like our input in this and our advocacy and then COVID kind of took sales out from that because it happened at the same time COVID occurred. Took the sales out of a lot of things, yeah. Yeah, but. I know, I know, right? But I'm like, that that came out in uh, the ABJ magazine in like March of when COVID hit. I'm like, great, no one's ever going to read this. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. Your work is important. <laughs> but, but so like those two events started me on, on that leadership journey. And the caucus was indescribable for me advancing as a leader. Um, you know, I, I talk about it all the time. Like I got to serve on the Mel task force, which is a member engagement and leadership development task force. I served on the first one of those. Um, I got to serve on the PTA, um, PT PTA board work group, which was comprised of P APTA board of directors members, and then some of us PTAs. And like that has been the impetus for change within the association for PTAs voting rights and service, which, you know, I'm seeing come to fruition now. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like leadership and service has just led me to like so many things. Like I'm a simple hick in, from Southern Indiana that went to the, uh, as well as you went to the uh, gala for the uh, 100th anniversary of APTA in Washington, D.C. in the uh, National Cathedral. I'm like, I look back, I'm like, how in the heck am I around all <laughs> these people that are so successful yeah. and so brilliant? Mm -hmm. I'm like, my imposter syndrome really sticks out in those situations. Mm -hmm. But but like 100%, like, like the ability to like advocate for what we do and to, and to lead, but like also lead with a heart of humility and know that like we can be wrong and I'm wrong a lot and I failed. And like that allows us the opportunity to like really be successful in life and 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 be real people and live authentic lives and know like not every answer we know but the more we we just talk about those things the better the better it gets and the more we can get involved and, and help help our profession grow and help our association grow and and for you as a as a pta like that's going to help you grow clinically that's going to help you grow as a person it's going to help you grow with whatever your goals are in the profession or within your career. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it um, it increases that value. And um, I was talking to another PTA a couple weeks ago who said, if you don't see yourself as valuable, then why do you expect anybody else to see you as valuable either? So to me, that engagement has been um, very, um, it's been, it, it's helped me grow um, it's pushed my boundaries of things that I thought I could do or wanted to do. Um, I can tell you right now, this podcast wouldn't have existed had I not applied to a volunteer position. Oh, gosh, it's been eight years ago now, I think, um, to be part of the Centennial Steering Committee. Had I not put in an application to say yes to volunteerism, none of this would have ever started. Um, and, and, and I agree with you with that imposter syndrome. 
I remember the first meeting I was at at APTA and in comes in Sharon Dunn and Justin Moore. And I'm sitting around this table with all these incredible minds in physical therapy as the only PTA at the table. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't, I don't belong here. What, what am I doing? <laughs> how, how am I here? And I don't belong here. And that was um, changed with the work and the people that I was working with and the way that they brought me in and they took me under their wing. And of course you belong here. And do you know what's happening and how you can become involved? And, and here, let me show you this. And boy, did they just take me in. And mm -hmm. um, it, it was just an incredible journey and great friendships I've, I've built through volunteerism and the association. I mean, you know this, like these people are your family now. Yeah. You text these people on a daily basis, <laughs> you build your yeah, it, and And so like, even just to build on that, first off, when, when we're off air, I've got a great Sharon Dunn story for you. Um, <laughs> okay. Sharon Dunn, Amy Smith and myself in a bar. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> One of the funniest conversations I've ever heard. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. But uh, so, but, but like, you're exactly right. And like a personal experience that kind of really brings that to light for me is um, about five years ago, I was, a, I was going to run for chief delegate against David Harris. And uh, we were getting ready to do it. We'd gone through everything. And about a month before the election, my father died. My father had a appendicitis um, and his appendix ruptured right as they were doing surgery. He called me on the Thursday morning. He's like, I'm having pain in my shoulder. And like, I looked at it and he said something else. I felt his side and it was rock hard. I'm like, hey, your shoulder, it's your appendix. So I sent him to the ER. He ended up getting his appendix out on Thursday. They kept him in because it had it had broken right as they got in there surgically. And so they left a tube in to drain for a couple of days. And so he got out of the hospital on a Saturday morning. He called me. He's like, my son was playing football. He's like, I'm coming to see Noah's game. I'm like, no, you're not. You got a tube sticking out of your gut and it's on an artificial field for full of MRSA and other bacteria. And it's 95 degrees. I'm like, you're not coming to the football game. Just go home, rest there are plenty of games for you to see. Well, that night he throws a blood clot and he passes. Um, so that's the last conversation I had with my father, uh, which is really hard when my son's not playing high school football to an extent. Told you I'll be real on this stuff. Um, but, but like the caucus was amazing because I look up at my father's visitation and David Harris had flown in from out in Washington to be there. Chris Garland had driven up. Amy Smith had sent stuff. Like Jane Jackson had had been there for me during the entire time. And, and like there's so many of those people that like it will tear me up right now that I think about. Like like they are the ones that have made me a better leader because I've learned from all their leadership styles and things like that but they're also like they have become as i talked about on that journey like when you're when you're trying to be successful you got to find other people that are willing to to put in the work too and like getting to know those people and and like getting to meet like the younger generation and like 
it's the it's one of the first conversations I had with you in the house. I remember it to this day. It's like, I know you're gonna run this at one point. I know you can be very successful at it. Just don't give up and keep trying and push. And um, honestly, like like there's so many people I'm so proud of to 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 say they're my friends and my family and and like I have a deep bond for them that like I'm in contact with Sanaz and all these other people multiple times a week. And like, I don't think I would have this full of a life if I didn't have that type of relationship. Absolutely. And I think that um, that's what brings us back, right? I mean, because <clears throat> yeah, leadership and um, some of the opportunities that you've had and I've had, it, it takes you away from your family. It takes time. <clears throat> I mean, how many meetings do we spend in the evenings, you know, like online yeah. and chatting and back and forth. And <clears throat> when you serve on the caucus or now the council, um, many of us serve multiple roles. So we're, we're serving our state. I serve Ohio, but I also serve nationally. It takes a lot of time. But I think what keeps bringing us back is that it, it's filling. You you really are getting something out of it other than just giving of your time. We're building those friendships. We're building those networks. We're building that tribe that continues to push you and um, see it through and follows up. And um, we don't let each other down. We hold each other to high standards. And I think that that's incredibly important. And that's what brings us back. Yeah, 100%. And it's, it's, it's a big driver in what I do and why I and and if anything, I want PTAs to know like there's a there is this like shining light of successful PTAs that are out there. Just find us, find us, and we'll we'll help you because like I know ninety nine percent of them have the same personal code as I do of like I'm not that good, but I want the next generation to be better. Absolutely, that's why I teach. That's why I, that's why I do things is because like. You're the new grads are going to be so much better than I ever was clinically, yeah. personally, and like that's Plant what the I want. Seeds. I want to leave that mark. You know, Absolutely. I'm a, I'm, a Ham I'm a Hamilton guy, and so like there's two songs that constantly run through my head. One is nonstop because of how I live my life, and the other is the closing song where it's uh, uh, Washington's talking about playing in the garden that no one gets to see. Mm -hmm. And so like, yeah, those are, those are things that kind of like run through my head constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you and I, we're not going to serve in our roles forever. And we want um, to make sure that we've planted the seeds for the next group that's going to come and take the torch and, and run with it. And um, we know they're going to do well. So 100%. you um, are a rock star, Sean, you have so many things. Um, as a matter of fact, you're one of the first PTAs that I met at CSM, and you probably don't even remember this. But I, do, I do remember it. So, you know, I, I knew that there was a handful of PTAs that were there, and um, I think I went to um, the town hall meeting, and I I know I met you. I met Jody, um, our, our Jody. Oh, she was so amazing. Um, and Amy, and I'm pretty sure Joanne was there, but a lot of folks that I met that I remember watching you guys and the way that you talked and the way that you carried yourself. And I was so impressed and I, it just filled my heart because I'm like, I love seeing PTAs 
take this and run with it. And um, it, again, just holding ourselves to a higher standard. Um, it, it was just incredible. So I don't think you know the impact that you've had on me. So um, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. But like, again, like it's what we go to talk about service. Like you get so much more out of it. And like, I can't, I can't even tell you about like the amount of times that those things matter. And like, we do hold ourselves to a higher standard be, because like, I want to prove to society what the worth of a PTA is. Absolutely. Yeah. So Sean, you've told us about a lot of things that have um, worked out good, but what about things that don't work out? Like, <laughs> you know, what is, what does the failure look like for, um, I don't know, a business owner, a PTA, like, tell us about adversity. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, like, so I'm a big, big proponent of, of Angela Duckworth and her talk on grit and, and the book on grit. And like, I think grit is important. Um, but I think like this deciding that you have a personal tenacity to like, not, not accept no, right? Mm-hmm. And like failure occurs and failure is going to occur in everything, but it's like, does failure define us or do we, or do we re-up and go at it again? And so like, you know, personally I fail all the time and, and like I fail in my leadership of clinic directors all the time. And, and when I was younger, I used to always make the mistake of giving someone an answer and giving them an answer for the sake of giving them an answer because like when you start out young as a manager that's what happens you think you should have every answer and you give an answer and then you find out it's wrong and you lose trust from somebody and it can take a long time to repair trust and so like that was one of the biggest life lessons i ever learned was like don't be wrong be quiet and so it took me a long time to learn how to be quiet and listen to me talk right here and you're gonna have a hard time believing I'm really like this shy introvert that that ha- struggles talking with people. Um, but but I learned from from like giving the wrong answer a couple times early on as a manager that I need to step back anytime a question is asked me and not give an answer right away. Mm-hmm. And so as I progressed from being like a manager to a leader, what I learned along that journey was that. I no longer needed to answer questions, but I need to answer with a with another question. But it's got to be a good question, right? So I spend time reading about like good questions and things like that. And so um, I ask a lot of whys now. And and like when you do that, and you allow someone to come up with their own solutions, mm-hmm. you're gonna find out that like they're gonna do a lot better than we ever would had we just quickly and hastily made a decision that we thought was right at the time. And so those are like the things that made as a business. Uh, one of the biggest failures we ever made was um, cost us about a hundred thousand hmm. dollars. We, uh, when we started, um, we had a billing company that was doing our billing for us. And what we found when we were starting to uh, leave them and bring it all in house, cause we wanted to control like, we wanted to control the conversations that were occurring and that like when we talked to patients about like bills and things like that, that there was never a pressure 
that like, hey, we'll set you up on a payment plan, we'll do whatever, but like none of this pressure that comes from a lot of third-party builders because they're being paid based on the money they collect, right? So their their job is to get in as much cash as humanly possible. And so what we found is like when we were building out things, there could have been an error on a claim. And because they wanted volume, they were about getting the volume out, not necessarily correcting bad claims. And so when we when we figured it out, we made a um, about a hundred thousand dollar mistake in our choices. And so like we we changed that and went to internal billing and 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 allowed us to control the conversations that was occurring with patients and really live what we're about, which is taking care of people and and like collect and people will pay you if they think and they know that you're honest about like, hey, you know, insurance has this deductible, we have to collect it. Um, it if not, we're in violation of an insurance contract, which could be a very serious thing for us. Um, but we can take that payment over time if we need to, or we can do whatever we need to do to help you have the time to pay your bill. And we're understanding and we do things like that. And like people will pay you in those in those situations when they can. And and so like it's it's a matter of like, you know, like we we started out with a business decision that made our business life probably a little easier, but it ended up costing us because it wasn't the right thing for what we do. And it wasn't the right thing for um, our patients at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot we can learn from our mistakes, right? Yeah. <laughs> and a lot we can learn from failure. Yeah. And, and learning that it's okay to fail, right? Like it is totally okay. But honesty is what has to occur with it. It's like, you know, I'm starting a new process with our clinic directors. And like, I think it's going to be successful, but like I'm having individualized meetings with all of them. And, and like, one of the things I say is like, I need to know if this isn't working for you because like I'm taking a shot in the dark here. And I think this is what you guys need. And I think it's what you're telling me you need from your feedback, but I don't know. And I could be wrong. And, and like, I'm not going to keep like trying to reinvent it if I'm wrong, but I'm going to find a way to correct it if I and if I get it right, Absolutely. great. But but we're gonna have to we're gonna have to see first. And so like I just try to be as open and honest and like, am I gonna get it perfect? Nope. <laughs> but I'm gonna figure it out along the way. Yeah. That's great. Great advice. Good advice. <laughs> Sean, um, something that I found um interesting. I'm hoping you will tell us a little bit about this, but uh, did you did you tell me that a patient saved your life one time? A therapist saved my life. A, a PT saved your life one time. PT saved my life, and so um, not to change like subjects, but but no, this is no, no, no. So, so I missed I missed two House of Delegates in the last fifteen years. The first one I missed was five years ago, um, and what occurred? Yeah, what occurred was. I had gone to Disney because that's where I go to relax and anyone thinks I'm nuts, but like I can walk 20 miles a day at Disney and it's the most relaxing time in the world for me. Like I've done all four parks by myself. Like when we, uh, when we had house in Orlando, I stayed an extra day just so I could go to all four parks. When Jody won her PTA of the year award, 
she and I had tickets for an after night event that her husband, myself and I all went to after, after we went out to dinner for her PJ of the Year <laughs> Award, we went to Disney. It was the most interesting ride because we got the only Uber Uber driver in Orlando that didn't know where Disney was. Oh my and goodness! <laughs> I, like, I kid you not. Like, we're like, we're like, come on, come on, come on, get us to Disney because she's as big a Disney nut as I am. And because uh, we had like Brenda and I ran a Disney 5K together, and Jody, Brenda, and I were going to do a Disney 5K together, um, probably last year, but. Um, Obviously, she got sick. Um, so, so like I had been there. I picked up um, a infection on my leg, which which I went to my physician. He popped it. He thought it was MRSA. Uh, and this is the week in between um, me going to Disney and the House of Delegates. So we're he pops it. He's like. Um, I want to, I want to put you in the hospital and start you on IV antibiotics. I'm like, did you miraculously lab test it? No, it's MRSA. No, but I have a guess. I'm like, well, your guess isn't always right. Is it? And, and like my physician is my neighbor and like, I know him personally too. And like, I trust him with everything, but he's, he's like, no, I'm like, well, why don't we culture it and wait until we know what it is? Cause I don't really want to just be hit with high dose antibiotics mm -hmm. if, if it's not treating what, what the issue is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he's like, okay. So he starts me on Bactrim and lo and behold, I'm allergic to Bactrim. So within 36 okay. hours of taking Bactrim, I didn't know I was allergic to Bactrim. Um, my wife had came home from working that day. I wasn't really able to talk. I wasn't able to walk. Um, she took me to the ER. I had, a blood glucose of 1500 and an O2 of 68. Well, my wife kept me off the vent. <laughs> Thank goodness. And um, so, so I was in acute kidney failure uh, from the medicine. And so like the acute kidney failure went away. Uh, they, they labeled me as a diabetic. They didn't have like seven months where they couldn't quite figure out, are you a type one? Are you a type two? Are you a late onset type one? and all this stuff. So it took him a while to finally figure out the type of diabetic I am that, and like I had an A1C like two months before and was not diabetic. And so like it, it just from the acute kidney failure caused everything to, to kind of like surge in my body. And so like now I'm labeled as a diabetic. And so um, the wound on my leg had gotten down to about a pimple size, but it would not totally close. And so uh, I was going into wound care with a physical therapist and been with her for a while. We got in really close, got in really close, but it just wouldn't, wouldn't close up. Mm. And so like, she's poking around one day and she, she kind of like fills a tunnel and she's like, I don't like this. I don't think there's really anything, but I want to, I want to get you in with a surgeon. And so she went and talked to uh, the general, the chief of surgery at this hospital and he i had called independently and got on and again a connection right uh the pta caucus of the rep the pta caucus rep for indian at the time was rochelle hawkins rochelle's sister-in-law is a vascular surgeon in this practice well this practice was very very like tightly booked 
and they weren't going to see me for like two and a half months. And so I called Rochelle and Rochelle's like made a call and she got me in with her sister-in-law. Her sister-in-law was going to see me and then pass me to a general because she knew that's what I probably needed. It wasn't vascular, but, but a general surgeon to look at it. But this physical therapist like kept pushing the chief of surgery to get me in. And so like, like he was getting pressure from both sides. And so like he got me in, saw me and he's like, the hair follicle didn't come out from where the, um, where the infection started. And he's like, I'm going to fit you in on this day. I'm going to fit you in in between cases. It's going to be five minutes. We'll be in and out. And like my father had just died from post-operative care. And I'm like, I don't want to be knocked out. And he's like, that's fine. I'll, I'll use, I'll use a local. It won't be a big deal. Um, and so we go in for surgery and he opens it up and he finds that like I had necrotic tissue from my needle hamstring to my inguinal ligament. Wow. A little bit of a distance, right? Wow. And so like if, if she hadn't pushed, if Kathy hadn't pushed, yeah, no, they, they, like if she would have just been like, okay, we can wait a couple months. There's no, there's no way I think that like something doesn't become septic and I don't pass. Wow. Um, so like I'm internally well, grateful for her. So I will say that like my first day of wound care uh, after, so like he surgically debrides all that area. I stay in the hospital for a day. He, he packs it with a wound back and uh, we do a bunch of like CT scans to make sure that like the infection hadn't spread anywhere to any place else. I get out of the hospital, um, I'm on a wound back and I go in for my first wound back change and I'm in there and you know how wound care therapists are. They're, they're not exactly normal people anyways. Um, and, and, and this is in my wife's department. So like I said, my wife works at Q care. I'm having this done in her, her hospital. And so like everyone's seen my butt, everything like that. I'm like, there's no more pride I have in my life. I'm, I've ever faced my wife's coworkers again without them like having seen my wound. And, uh, so the therapist that that's in there is like, do you want to see a picture? I'm like, no, I don't. And so like she's unpacking and she is like elbow deep and she takes a picture of herself elbow deep in my womb, <laughs> unpacking it. And then finally shows it to me on the day. I'm, Cause I said, I'm like, I'll just take a look on the day I'm discharged. Yeah. And, yeah. and so like she showed me that on the day of discharge. I'm like, I'm glad you find that humorous. Wow. Oh but, my yeah. gosh. Son. What a story. Yeah, so I'm, but, but I had you not had your connections, man, that that could have ended a lot different for you. If yeah, you not had, yeah, yeah. And if I didn't have a therapist advocating for me in that situation too, like that's a big, big thing. Absolutely. When we find ourselves as the patient, it really changes our perspective on how yeah. we issue care and how we um, are, are doing our jobs day to day um, because it, it's not, uh, we're, we're not typically the patient, right? You know, right. And, and when we're in that position, man, it changes everything. And our eyes are open to a lot of the, the failures in our healthcare system as well. Yeah. And so, like I said, I missed two House of Delegates. Second House of Delegates was this year. And um, I had gotten sick in the start of summer with like a little virus, didn't think of anything of it. Like a week after the virus, had checked my blood pressure. 
my blood pressure was really high. It was like 175 over 125. And that was unusual for me. And so I called my doctor. We switched blood pressure medicines and the blood pressure medicine worked. It lowered it, lowered it. But then I started having edema and lo and behold, long story short, like I gained a hundred and some odd pounds of fluid in, in a short couple month period. And we couldn't figure out what was going on, what was going on. Um, and we started Lasix on, on days I was not clinical and went like that and which was fine and i started to lose a little bit of weight but i woke up one day with a heart rate of 178 beats per minute and at that point i was like there's something else wrong and so i went in to er um i ended up having congestive heart failure and i had fluid in my lungs and then and on my heart and then everywhere else obviously and so i was in the hospital uh for two weeks on diuretics constantly got that all under control and uh right now i get to wear a lovely life vest uh external defibrillator so if anyone's never had the fun and enjoyment of wearing one of those let me tell you how how much you sleep at night when they're like hey if that goes off for 30 seconds it's going to shock your heart um you sleep really really crappily because you're like if you hear the sound you know and like the the thing is like if you're conscious you don't need it if you're if you're unconscious and it's starting to go like it's going to shock you you need it and so like you wake up and you're like oh let me reset this i don't want it to go off and so you you live that but like again it's a it's another example of like i saw the healthcare system being so fractured because surgeons not talking to each other surgeons changing things every day everyone giving me a different opinion when you're in the hospital for 14 days and you're having multiple procedures done and you're having different things done. And, and you know, um, we were talking about this a little bit before being on air is, you know, I'm having a, a cat, a cardiac cath done and I'm watching on the monitor and the physician is talking about where he's going for dinner that night. And, um, you know, he's, this is what he does all day and I trust, but like, he's got, a probe in my heart and i'm like this is really the time i want you locked in and concentrating not having conversations no and, and so like like it goes back to why we form this why rpi is in existence is we feel like healthcare can be better by focusing on the patient and focusing on the providers and so like that's what i want and that that was a reminder of that but like mm-hmm. i had great care but like the system's just fractured so much that i think we can make it better if we if we get back to treating patients the way they need to be treated. Amen. That's Mm -hmm. great. Well, we're glad that you are um, doing better and you're healing and you're, you're on your path to health and and wellness. And we'll um, definitely be looking for you at the next event. Um, So we're not going to let any of that other stuff hold you back next time, right? (laughs) Nope. Nope. Great. So Sean, why don't you um, tell us what your plus point is for today? Maybe if you have, I don't know, a, a, a wish for physical therapist, physical therapy, physical therapist assistance, um, some secret sauce you want to tell us, anything. Why don't you give us your plus point? The the thing is like, and I've already talked about it, own your path, own your career, own who you are, own what you do. There's so many people that will give you wonderful insight and there's wonderful 
like people out there that give you so much free education. This podcast is one of them. Jimmy with his podcast is one of them. Um, you know, follow the Will Bettlers of the world, follow the uh, Jerry Durham's, the Ben Fung's. Like there's so much information that if you take it and use it, you can make yourself better. You can make the clinicians around you better and you can do more. But we have to be active participants in our careers, in our lives. You can't live a passive life. If you, if you are passive throughout all this, others are going to make the decisions for you and you're going to be unhappy at the end of the day. But if you are an active participant in what you do and you make your decisions, whether at the end of the day you can say like that was the ultimate like most successful thing i've done or not it doesn't matter because you created your own journey and your own path and i can guarantee you when you create your own journey and path you will be successful so just go forward and do that absolutely great sean bagby that was wonderful thank you so much where can we find more information about rpi well, uh, RPI's website, so www.rehabilitationperformance.com um, is the big one. You can follow us on Instagram. We've got an Instagram for all of our clinics. Um, you know, I'll put a plug in for our best Instagram uh, person, which is um, um, the uh, baseball DPT, Jake Sullivan, who is... Um, one of our one of our employees and an awesome therapist and does just wonderful job treating throwers and like here's a great story he treated uh, my little league coach who's in his 70s still pitches <laughs> i'm not joking <laughs> i'm not joking he reached out to me in july saying you know i've got this rotator cuff tear but they want to do surgery but he's like if i do surgery i can't throw in my last world this adult world series in October in, um, in, where was it in Arizona? I'm like, well, I'm like, I can treat this, but like Jake's going to be far superior to treating you. And, uh, he's, he, Jake treated him and, and I was in the, in the hospital and I get a text from him and he didn't know I was in the hospital or anything like that. And he's like, I just want to tell you, like my fastball is, about five miles per hour faster than it's been in the last five years. I'm throwing harder. Jake knew what he was doing. And like Jake does amazing work, but like that is typical from all of our therapists. Jake's just the best about putting it on Instagram. Um, but like he is uh, amazing. So if you want to follow any type of overhead throwing, check Jake's stuff out. But then RPI is all over Instagram and things like that. Me personally, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram um, or reach out to me off my email and I'm willing to have a phone conversation with anyone. Um, when I drive to the clinic, I got two one hour drives. So I will talk to anyone about anything you want to know about physical therapy. Uh, that's what I do. And it's what I like doing the best. And that is not a lie. You, you <laughs> called me one time a couple years ago and you're like, Hey, I want to run some ideas by you. And sure enough, we got on the phone and we chit chatted. So that is not a lie. Sean is there for you. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Sean. I appreciate it. So much information. You're doing amazing things. You're a rock star and we appreciate you taking the time to talk. Well, thank you. And like I said, I'm just a, a shy hit guy from Indiana that just is passionate about what we do. Absolutely. I love it. All right, Sean, we'll talk soon. 
type that. The PTA Plus podcast is hosted and produced by Katie Sutton in collaboration with PT Pintcast host and CEO, Jimmy McKay. Thank you for listening to another episode of the PTA Plus podcast, where the conversation is for PTAs by PTAs. This show is for educational purposes only and not intended for clinical decision-making, while care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. Become part of the PTA Plus podcast family by liking, sharing, and subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you can listen to podcasts.